The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts, Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of our podcast. I got Chris and Uriah here. We got some more Sixer stuff to talk to you guys about. Are you guys uh, having a good uh, week so far, guys? Yeah, pretty good. How about you? Yo, I read something online and someone said something really wise. They said... Uh, Imagine having an agent that loses you money. You can imagine who they're talking about. Oh, yes. And we're going to be talking about him as well as his client in this episode for sure. And I'm doing all right so far. Kind of been a like not great weather week here, but doing good. Uh, so, Chris, let's just let's jump into it. Let's just get get our hold hands on, dirty on, on this. You're not getting off that easy real quick. Hold on. Me? Um, yeah, yeah. What did I? Hold on. Hold on. All right. So, Chris, do you agree that this is an audio only podcast? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I do. Okay. So so does it matter to you how we look in this podcast? No. OK. All right. Just so the listeners know, Lucas was very self-conscious of his hair before we got on. So he ran and got this hat. What, what hat are you wearing right now? OK. OK. First, two things. <laughs> One, we do do visual talking to each other before we get on the podcast. We do have video communication so i did not want to look like crappy frizzy hair and secondly i am repping fan sided all the way because back when we had our last meetup i had my fans i got a fan sided hat and i am repping that right now you better believe it all right you saved yourself all right we can move on you're excused thank you (laughs) all right we're gonna talk about the preseason sixers opened it on Tuesday? Was it Monday or Tuesday? I think it was Tuesday. No, Monday. 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 Yeah. yeah. Okay, brain fart. Sixers mm-hmm. opened it on Monday against the Raptors in Toronto. A pretty energetic crowd, being that the fans in Toronto haven't seen their team for a year. Philly was, of course, without Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris. Tobias had knee soreness. Joel was just resting. Um, Charles Bassey was not with the team. Joel, um, ben Simmons, not with the team, of course. But just about everyone else was out there and active and got some playing time, Lucas. The Sixers ended up losing pretty badly, 123-107. to It was even not that close for long stretches there in that second half. But what were some of your big takeaways? Well, I would have to say my biggest takeaway is that this game proved why getting Andre Drummond was a good idea. Now, I know you're not high on Drummond, Chris. I get it. The guy makes mental mistakes, and I'm not denying that he had a few brain farts in the game there. But the guy's a double-double machine. I mean, he could average 15 and 15 any given season when given enough, you know, 30 minutes a night. And, you know, he basically had that in the first half. Uh, You know, his play kind of dropped off in the second half, but the game was already out of reach at that point, so I didn't really care. I don't think he was fully engaged at that point. But my, my main takeaway is that 
he looked good. And this is why you bring in a guy like Andre Drummond that needs to recoup some of his value. But it, clearly he is in the prime of his his athletic prime and he is he is a good NBA player. Yeah. So that's no, that's I mean, my biggest one. I, he looked great. I, I I've been pretty pro Drummond all summer. I don't I don't think I've been anti Drummond. Um, but you've been more pro Beatball Paul than Drummond. Well yeah. Well Beatball Paul also looked <laughs> pretty darn great oh yeah no he looked good too yeah no like the the back the center rotation looked good and if they had bassy i'm sure he would have shown flashes as well but we don't even know what he plays he he's going to look like on the nba level because of this whole tire visa situation yeah and it, i mean look drummond had the five turnovers that was the bummer but i like i did the post game grades i gave him an a he was pretty spectacular he was the best player on the floor for philly all night I, I, I don't want to like sit here and say I'm not pro Drummond. I think he's really significantly better than Dwight Howard, like significantly, like like levels and levels above Dwight Howard. Um, so sorry to the Lakers who pretty much made that swap this year. Um, but that second quarter looked a lot like the Atlanta series from Seth. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I know a lot of people are hoping that he carries over that aggression. He averaged 21 a night on 60% shooting from three against the Hawks. That 60% isn't going to hold up, obviously. But if he's taking a bunch of shots and he's looking for his own offense, especially with Ben not on the floor, that's really going to help Philly a lot. So I think Seth was another big takeaway for me. Yeah, Seth, I I think this – and I know he's 30, so it's kind of weird to say, but this could be a breakout season for Seth, especially with Ben not not there. Like They need to have more offense from somebody – and while we all expect Maxi to, you know, bump up his production, I think it's fair to say that Curry could definitely be that guy as long as he stays healthy. I, I think 16 points, 16 to 18 points per game, like a J.J. Redick average, is is that outrageous to is suspect as long as he stays healthy, Chris? No, I don't think it's outrageous. But you, you mentioned Paul Reed. Um, I think a lot of young guys looked good in this game. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about the point guards for a second. Yeah. Shake. Oh, God. Um, not great. Obviously, it's just a preseason game, but not a great Shake Milton game. And frankly, not a very good Tyrese Maxey game either. He fin- finished with 10 points on 5 of 11 shooting. Shooting's not bad. Kind that's, of, that's... Kind of came back in the second half and redeemed himself, but mm-hmm. it was really rough in the first half when he was playing like Toronto's actual players. And granted, Toronto is a really good defensive team. Like, yeah. They're smart and they know their stuff. Mm-hmm. So it maybe wasn't the kindest matchup for his first taste of starting point guard, but mm-hmm. really rough first half for Tyrese. Shake had five assists, but three points, one of six from the field. Could not get anything going as a you know a shot creator for himself. Uh, the passing sort of, I guess, made up for it because they're going to need someone to run the show, quote-unquote, without Ben. But mm-hmm. the point guards were not good. Well, and then on top of that, let's mention the fact that Grant Riller uh, has a meniscus tear as a result yeah. of that game. I mean, he was probably one of the more highlighted players in that in that rotation. Seven points on three of five shooting. No assist, uh, one block, two turnovers, which isn't great. But he's a score, score first guy. So, but I mean, he looked good in, in limited minutes. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I was impressed by Shake's playmaking shot. I think it's fair to say at this point, Shake's a hit or miss type of player. Like either he's on or he's off, and hopefully he, we can get more on nights and off nights. Um, Maxi, like you said, looked better in the second half. 
the four turnovers, the three assists is a little concerning, but I guess I don't expect Maxi to ha- average like six to seven assists. Uh, well, actually, I did say six assists, but I don't expect him to be like a Rajon Rondo type playmaker. I expect him to be more of like a maybe like a Drew Holiday type of guy who's not like he can playmake, but that's not his primary I, skill as Drew the point guard. A really good playmate. I mean, pretty great at creating for others. I I don't know if Tyrese is on that level or anywhere close to it yet. I'm trying. Well, then help me here. I'm trying to think of a a starting point guard that's not really a that's not really like a dynamic playmaker. Like maybe. (laughs) Well, no, he's a shooting guard right now. Uh, Yeah, uh, they're both the same height. Um, I was actually thinking more like Kemba Walker. Like he can playmake, but his primary score is uh, skills to score. Obviously, not the same level of score. That what about Ja Morant? Would he count? No, no, he's a playmaker. Is he so good? he's so good. Yeah, he he can play make. Max is play score first type guy though. He is a score first, but his playmaking skills are still so much better than Max. Yeah, I mean, and he... like nineteen and eight last season. I mean, he's pretty yeah. great. Like Kemba's more of a four to five assist type guy, and I can see Maxi floating around that this season. Like I was hoping six assists, but four to five is probably more of what we ex- should expect. Um, as long as he can, and I mean, like last year, he was really good at keeping the turnovers down. So I think this is an atypical game. Like you said, preseason shouldn't take too much stock in it. Um, didn't have Joel. I mean, Drummond looked great, but I mean, he's obviously not Joel either. Hey guys, ever been trimming downstairs and cut yourself? Not a good feeling at all. The question is, how can you prevent pain and discomfort while grooming yourself? Well, I'm here to remind you about Manscaped with their Lawn Mower 4.0 trimmer. It features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. The Lawn Mower 4.0 also has a 4000K LED spotlight that you can turn on and off when needed for a more precise shave. And it's even waterproof so that you can trim in the shower. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and handle your trimming needs in a convenient and safe way by going to manscaped.com. Go to manscaped.com right now for 20% off, plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. That's 20% off, plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. And now, back to the podcast. Nying didn't look bad. You know, he filled up the box score. I mean, defensively, not, not too spectacular, but that's not his strength. You know, I think he did a little bit of everything that night, and I, I, yeah. I was, I was satisfied from what I saw from Niang. Um, I think the big standout that we haven't talked about yet is my boy Isaiah Joe, who had eighteen. Oh points. yes, Isaiah Joe is ready. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty darn confident. Like, I don't. I'm, this isn't like reacting to one preseason game. Mm-hmm. Like the body of work that we have seen from Isaiah Joe so far, though limited as it may be suggests that he can play in the NBA and that he's probably better than at least one or two of the guys that the Sixers are currently playing. Would you play him over Cork Moss? I don't know. I'd play both of them. I mean, frankly, but then, I know then... you need another point guard and stuff, but Shake sucks. So we're kind of at the point where if Shake continues to look as bad as he did for most of last season and he can't pick it up early this season, 
Point Niang in the second unit. I'm calling it Point Niang in the Like, maybe you move Seth to the bench. You move Tyrese back. I don't know. But, like, Shake is clearly the worst player that is getting regular minutes right now. And he's... If he, I mean, Joe's better than him. I'm pretty confident in saying that. I think Isaiah Joe is a better NBA player than Shake Milton. He's better than the second shooter. best shooter. Yeah. Second best shooter on the team. He's miles better defensively than Shake is. Better he's than a, I, honestly, I think he's a better player than Quirk Moss. To be honest, maybe I think that's yeah. very much possible. I'll go with that. But I, uh, Quirk better Moss defender, Moss better, near, equally as good as a three point shooter. I think more efficient overall. Uh, that's true, but like, I mean, I feel like Shake is at some point going to have to prove he can play, or he's going to be the guy that should hypothetically be knocked out. Doc keeps talking him up. He averaged 13 or whatever last season, so he's going to, you know, have some goodwill with Doc, I'm sure. And I don't think if Joe does replace someone that it'll be Shake. Chris, 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 remember, you're, I feel like you're taking too much stock into this preseason game against a really good defensive no, team. No, Shake was bad last season, guys. Shake had a bad year last season. I don't care that he averaged 13 a night. Shake Milton last season was not a productive quality NBA player for most of that season. He was actively harmful in a lot of games, and he was really bad in the playoffs. Like, I don't think Shake is very good. This is not a new take for me. Mm-hmm. I've been beating this drum well before this preseason game. I mean, I get where you're coming from, Chris. Um, but, and I've, Chris, you you know that I've been beating my, this drum for a while now. The Sixers need to add another point guard to the roster. And honestly, with how good the center rotation looks right now, I would try to move on from Bassey. I mean, he wasn't playing in summer league because of contract issues and visa issues you move on from bassy you probably have to wait to trade him but once you trade him you trade him for either well, like a second round pick or, or like gonna last past like preseason but, it was a game in toronto but but no well okay but you were just okay but no what i'm saying is chris you don't need bassy you need a veteran point guard on this roster to help tyrese maxi and you know arguably shake or play over shake well if there, there was are... one that was like clearly good enough to play then sure but there isn't those guys have all been signed. Like good quality point guards aren't just floating around the market because they're um, valuable. I mean, I've been beating this drum for a while too. You still got Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, and... Shake is better than Isaiah Thomas. I okay, Shake no. Sucks. So no, I'm being no. mean to Shake. Shake doesn't. I'm. I don't mean to. I'm sorry, Shake. He doesn't suck. That's just the mean. Way You're right. Would you rather have Shake Milton or give Isaiah Thomas a whirl? Guys, Isaiah Thomas is 5'9 with yeah. multiple knee injuries in his past. Yeah, I agree. The guy Chris. is. Eight. Okay, what about Quinn Cook? Uh, Quinn, who? The, Quinn the guy Cook, that he was, was the... like the fourth point guard on the, Quinn the Cook? Warriors? Yeah, Quinn Cook isn't getting playing time in on, Cleveland man. or wherever he is for a reason. He, he, and he's don't a free even guy. say DJ, what's his face? Just well, he's not. Face. He's actually not a free agent, but oh. the, you got Jeff Teague. No way. Jeff Teague was really bad last Jeff year. Jeff Teague is 92 years old. None of these guys are guys who should be playing over Shake. And I'm saying Isaiah Joe should probably play over Shake. So unless you're getting someone who's like clearly better than Shake Milton, who I'm not a fan of, I it, like Bassey at least has something to give you. Like Grant Riller, once his knee heals, hopefully sooner than later, is cool. Would you play Grant Riller over Shake Milton? No, but like... 
you can get away with not playing shake. He's not like some all-world playmaker who is like putting pressure on the rim and creating for others at a super high level. That's never. You know, you know who I wanted the Sixers to go after in free agency. I wanted them to go after Alfred Payton as a third point guard on there. Hey, I mean, that's I'm, at least like a better name than no. you guys you mentioned. Come on, guys. Really? No, Alfred, may, he was the starting point guard for the Knicks last year, and he had a solid season despite eh, having this. Eh. And he shouldn't have been the starting point guard. But, no way. But I, I will just say this. Shake Milton is not like a natural playmaking guard. Who no, he's a he's a shooting him. guard. He's a shooting guard. That's you, a score, he's a score first shooting guard. I, I will agree with Chris. By just as well you know stagger tobias and maxi and seth keep at least one of them on the floor at all time and then just do it by committee because you're just not going to have a good point guard without ben that's the state of things i would agree you can't with get Chris. Too tied to shake because he's technically a point guard or technically a ball handler because he's not a very good one and he's if his offense is where it was last season isaiah joe is just going to give you a ton more value because of how good he is shooting the ball and defensively yeah, like like Ben Shake. I don't care that he's a point guard. He's barely even a point guard. Like, I'm just I saying. Agree. Point I have to agree in. with. I have to I'm agree just... with Chris on this one. I do think that Isaiah Joe should get more minutes, and if that means putting Shake on the bench, then. I, I think so would you guys? More. Would you guys stagger Curry and Maxi, or would you start? Would you move one of them to the bench and start? Let's say Matisse Leibel. I don't care. Either way. However you want to do it, Doc, you know, like yeah, whatever Doc wants to do, just play Isaiah Joe and maybe limit the shake minutes a little bit. Um, but let's talk about Keith Pompey basically saying that the Sixers' first preseason game showed how much they miss Ben Simmons or how much they will miss Ben Simmons. Um, that naturally got some heat on the Twitterverse from fans who are pretty adamantly anti-Ben Simmons at this point. You know, there are people who are like, oh, he's pushing the clutch narrative, etc., etc. Lucas, what do you think about that take? Do you think anything from that Monday night game showed that we will miss Ben Simmons? Um, what are your thoughts on that? I think it was an unnecessary take. We all knew that they were going to miss Simmons. Like, I mean, it's common sense. You got an all-star level point guard who, granted, probably shouldn't be a point guard, but he is. And he's still an all-star level player. And he's a dynamic playmaker. Of course, you're going to miss some of his playmaking. It's it's in his defense. It's common sense. Like, I, I love Keith. Don't get me wrong, Keith. I'm not trying to bust you on this one. But, like, it's a common sense take. I don't know. If, like, you could have just said it in tweet. I don't think, like, you really need to do a whole entire article on it. You know what I mean? Like... It, it seemed unnecessary. Like, we all knew that they were going to miss Joel, Ben. And, of course, Maxie and Shake struggled against a good defensive team like the Raptors. And, like, it's just, like, yeah, come on. Like, we Maxie's a second-year point guard and Shake's a combo guard, more shooting than point. So, yeah, not surprising. Uh, Yeah. I mean, look. I feel like in sports media, we have a lot of obvious takes that get articles written about them. I don't really feel like it's an issue. Um, like, I'm pretty sure we have written on the site about where the Sixers are going to miss Ben Simmons. Like, I, oh, I think yeah. It's worth covering. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, look, Tyrese Maxey and Shake Milton both had below average games on Monday. 
it's one preseason game. Shouldn't read too much into it, et cetera, et cetera. But they are young point guards, as you said. They're not Ben Simmons. Neither Maxie nor Milton have really traditionally been the guys who are like the lead, lead ball handler for their teams, at least not in college and in the NBA. Like, it's going to take a while for them to adjust. Maxie's probably going to struggle a little bit out of the gate, if I had to predict so. And frankly, Shake is going to continue struggling, as he has for a while now, as I keep saying. Like, I, I think he's right. They're going to miss Ben. As you said, it's pretty obvious that they're going to miss Ben. Will there be some minor positives that come out of it? Sure. Like, will the offense flow differently? Maybe. But, like, they're going to miss Ben. He's really good. So, I, I didn't really have a problem with it. I don't think that's pushing a clutch narrative, A, because Tyrese Maxey is also a clutch player. And the general tone of that article would be if you're struggling without Ben, it's because Maxey's your point guard now. So, that specific criticism doesn't really land for me. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. It is pretty obvious. Like, you lose an all-star for nothing as of now you're going to take a step back. That's how it normally goes for every team that loses an all-star for nothing. <laughs> so, and two, two things before we move on, Chris, um, first off I'm watch, I have the uh, Dallas Mavericks and Utah jazz game on mute while we're recording this and Boban just hit back to back three. So yay, Boban, uh, Boban Marjanovic from former Sixer center and best friend of Tobias Harris. And then also, you talked about switching Dwight for Drummond. Dwight fouled out in a preseason game. Like, uh, let's just talk about how much of a win that was for the Sixers. And Doc Rivers was apparently a big part of that. So, got to give Doc credit there. And we're going to talk about, of course, more Ben Simmons, because why not? So, it's apparently reported that Rich Paul thinks that Ben Simmons didn't get the chance to avoid scrutiny because he played for a playoff contender right away. He feels that because his client didn't play on a bad team, it put more pressure on Ben. Do we agree or disagree with this take, Chris? Um, I really don't feel like this is the first time we've seen this specific mm-hmm. line of thinking. Like, yeah. this has been out... I- like I think didn't Brett Brown kind of yeah talk about yeah it? Brett said this in the McMullen piece yeah yeah Brett like, said, yeah I think there's a certain truth to it in that Ben probably felt uncomfortable experimenting when he was playing a specific role on a winning team like if Ben had shown up in whatever Orlando wherever it is day one and had the keys to the car and had no one else next to him then he maybe could have expanded his game more and felt more comfortable doing that. Sure, but at the end of the day, it's still a Ben Simmons problem that he hasn't improved whatsoever in any respect, um, aside from obviously defense. But the fact that his offensive game hasn't expanded really at all from day one is not a Gerald Embiid problem. It's not a Philadelphia winning games problem. That's still a Ben Simmons problem. Mm-hmm. If he was, if he felt pressured to not expand, that's still at the end of the day on on him. Um, so I don't agree with that being like a reason for him to want out because I mean, a, he's probably not going to a rebuilding team. He's going to go somewhere where there will be some level of expectation for him to produce and to probably win games. Um, so 
uh, I, I don't really understand why that would contribute at all to the current situation. I, I get it to a certain degree, but like that shit, it's year five now, year six. Like we're at the point where he, it, it's all on him at this point. Yeah, you, you definitely had a lot of nails on the head there, and I'm just going to add a few more things. Let's just say, for instance, the Sixers didn't take bed number one. Number two, Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah, they were a bad team, but you know how many eyes are on the Lakers? Ben wouldn't have felt comfortable there. Then number three, that was the Boston Celtics. Another big media market. Another historic franchise. All eyes would have been on that. And the Celtics were still good at that point. They were even more of a playoff contender than the Sixers were at that point because they had Isaiah Thomas. Like, any of the top three places, he would have been scrutinized either because of the you know media market of Los Angeles, the success of both the Sixers and the Celtics. And the Sixers, the Philly's a big media market too. So unless he didn't want to go top three, and I can't even – who was the fourth team that selected? I don't even remember. Um and I know we just did a redraft a while back. Phoenix. Phoenix. Okay, so Phoenix. Phoenix might have been the one team he could have done that with. But did we really think Ben was going to fall all the way to Phoenix in that draft? No. No, there was no chance. So maybe the horrible Phoenix Suns, which I remember covering because I had just picked up that job. They, uh, they had Josh Jackson and uh, Earl Watson was the head coach. And, like, I like Earl Watson. I think he's a good player development guy, and he's on the Raptors staff right now. But, like, that team was doing nothing. And yeah. maybe him him and Devin Booker would have been a good duo. But, like, he wouldn't have felt comfortable doing anything. Like, it's just it's, – it's not – you could say that he didn't feel comfortable because they, they were a team that had pressure to win. But let's be real. I don't think it mattered. Yeah, look, they're just putting out whatever they can at this point. Um, they're blaming everybody else. Ben is not taking is not being Sixers, accountable. The He's not being accountable. Sixers yeah. encouraged Ben to expand and explore new parts of his game at every turn. Brett Brown did at like every press conference. Mm-hmm. They tried to hire the personnel to help him. Ben always didn't always take to that personnel. Didn't always follow the regimen that Philly tried to lay out for him. He felt comfortable shooting with his brother, who has no MBA or, as far as I know, even college experience shooting. Well, right? he's a college coach. Is Liam a college coach? Yeah. Um, Where does he coach? I don't. I don't even know that. Where does he coach? At? I don't know. But not a big name school, though. Point being, um, yeah. Look, I mean, it's Ben had every opportunity to explore and improve. It's not like it really would have made the Sixers worse. We can talk about the Joel Embiid fit not being perfect and whatever, but it's this is all He's, in shoulders. It's it, he. Yeah. There's no excuse related to team success. Winning games is normally never a bad thing. That's not mm-hmm. an excuse to not get better because your team is good. Mm-hmm. That's just not how it works. We've seen players on good teams get better over time, pretty frequently. Like Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum have been on good teams and they get better every season. They're contending. They are the core of a contending team, and they have gotten better every season of their careers. And I'll say this. 
I bet you if Joel, if Ben decided to take that next leap and tried to get his game better, Joel would have supported him all the way through. And I bet you Joel would have would have preferred Ben to be the better player between the two of them because that's less work for on his shoulders. You know what I mean? I don't think Joel would mind being the second the second fiddle to a championship team. No, not at all. I agree. So um, I the the argument there just is is a moot point for me, and I I think we can just move on from this because I don't want to beat this dead horse anymore. <laughs> okay, let's talk about the financial situation with Ben. As we all know, eight point two five million dollars was withheld from his account the other day, the other week. Philadelphia has kind of put that on hold, and they're going to take. The fines that are coming out of that account, he was fined, I believe, 360000 for missing the first preseason game. And that's what he's going to miss every game from now on, it seems. So everyone for a while assumed that he would get that money back when he got to a new team. That was what Brian Windhorst was saying. That was what everyone everywhere was saying. Oh, he's just going to wait for his next team to give him that money back. No harm done. Apparently, that's just not the case. And I don't know how we didn't know that until recently. But this is from ESPN, quote, This is not money Simmons can get back in the event Philadelphia eventually accedes to his wish to be traded. The team that chooses to trade for him cannot agree to pay Simmons the money that is owed and fined from Philadelphia. Instead, Simmons would, be, would only be able to get some or all of the fine money back by coming to a settlement with the 76ers, who would have no incentive to do so. So unless Philly pays him this money back, which they're not going to do unless he shows up and plays hard, he's going to lose his money. This is money out of his pocket that he's never getting back until he is traded or until he returns to the Sixers and, as Philly wishes, plays for the team and helps them compete for a championship. Um, so after hearing this report, Lucas, do you think Ben might cave and how long until that happens? Well, before we before I answer that, let me explain something. So, for I've been listening to like Low Post and One Horse's podcast. I forget what his is called, but my understanding is this is a ta- what the Sixers are doing, putting the money into an escrow account and then taking the money away from that versus giving Ben the money and then getting giving him IOUs is it helps the Sixers first off get that money back quicker. And secondly, it makes sure. I guess it helps make sure that you know he doesn't retain any of the money that they he owes them or some something along those lines. But it's a tactic that the NFL uses a lot in their player holdouts, and so that's that's just a, the precedence that they're taking here. To answer your question, do I think that it's gonna, uh, you know? Do you think I do? Do I think that Ben's is going to cave? No, and and I don't want to say why because it's our next talking point. But I I mean, I know that his I know I read a report saying that his um his representation needed clarification on that. But as far as I can tell, his stance hasn't changed. But I think that part of the reason why is the next half here, right? Yeah, well, I mean, I just want to say, like, I don't know what I wanted to say. I was going to say something, and I just lost it. Um, But look, Ben is clearly did not anticipate this. I think it's, like, Kyle Lubeck reported that Ben's camp is finally, after 
that preseason game, quote unquote, like taking stock of the financial implications of his holdout. So clearly there's some uh, second thought being, you know, some second thoughts are going around right now. Well, to be clear, if he thought that he was going to hold out, Chris, then he wouldn't have bought. I don't think he would have bought that house in California in the first place. I think he would have waited. I mean, Ben goes to California every summer. I know. I'm just. I'm just saying. I. You know. Um, count. Count your money. But. Yeah. Look. I. I. I feel like the narrative up until last week was that Ben and everyone thought he was going to get this money back, and that mm-hmm. it really wasn't any skin off his teeth. That has changed now, and I. I think that does like change to the calculus of things. I don't think Ben is going to show up tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to keep this going for a while, but. If this gets closer to the trade deadline and Philly really is intent on not moving him, then maybe he does come back because that is a lot of money to lose mm-hmm. out on um, if he doesn't come back and play. Like he's mm-hmm. going to start legitimately losing millions of dollars that he cannot get back. Well, Chris, and put that into perspective from that same article that you just read from. They said if he held out until, let's say, November 19th, he would lose $7.2 million in salary. That's almost that whole entire advance. Yeah. That, yeah. I don't so, know if he's going to do that. Like, frankly, I, I think it's fair to say maybe he's I not. think that I think the leverage has just shifted in the Sixers' favor. Yeah, terms. I mean, it's pretty clear that the Sixers are not going to trade him for scraps. Mm-hmm. The Sixers, every report still mentions how high the Sixers' asking price is. Like, Daryl Morey is clearly sticking to his guns here. Mm-hmm. Daryl Morey is not going to cave. The Sixers have him under contract for four years. They're recouping money because he's mm-hmm. not playing. Like, the Sixers mm-hmm. have no reason at all to cave mm-hmm. other than wanting to win a championship. I mean, ben and here, here's the thing. Pay. Like, even if they start out bad, this is I, – I think if Ben comes back, this is a win for ownership. Absolutely. I mean, mm-hmm. they want Ben back. It's a win for the organization if he comes back. No, I mean, when I say ownership, I don't mean just the Sixers. I mean owners in general, because then it sets a precedent. Hey, you don't you yeah, hold it out from that same ESPN report. It yeah. said there were people around the league who were like secretly hoping Philly doesn't trade him because of the precedent it sets. Yeah. So that is certainly true, I believe. Um, now the question is, if Ben comes back, will he, how much of a malcontent will he be? We don't know, and yeah. honestly, I don't care. Frankly, I I mean putting ourselves in Ben's shoes. You really want to get out of Philly. The way to do that is to show up and just play be well a dick for however long it takes until they trade you. Like that's Well, no, no, no. It. You play well, your value goes up more than they can trade you quicker. But the I, thing, well, here here's the other thing, Chris. I don't think Damian Lillard or Bradley Beal is going to be available anytime look, soon. Ben playing well does not give the Sixers any incentive to trade him. They do. Again, so, so you think he needs to pull James years? Harden? You think he needs to pull James Harden? I don't think he. I don't know what he needs to do. But if you're Ben and your goal is to get out, James Harden, what he did worked. It it it, ex, it expedited the process. It made Houston trade him sooner than they probably wanted to. What Jimmy Butler did in Minnesota worked. It made them trade him for Robert Covington and Dario Saric. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and the other, worked in the past. Yeah, well, the other thing is, is that if Ben showed up and say, hey, I have back spasms, I can't play, then you can't find him anymore, but he's still, you know, he's there, but he's not there. 
Yeah. So and, and that could end up being the possibility as well that we have to really accept of that. If if he does show up, he only he's only there in person, not so much in you know being active as a basketball player. I don't. I think he's done playing for the Sixers, whether or not he shows up to the organization or not. I just think if he does show up, he's gonna say, "Oh well, I'm I have back spasms or some illness that can't show up on an MRI." But you, like, you know how like you know what I mean? Like injuries yeah. that you can't prove that he he's healed from or not. Ben Simmons is going to get traded. Like mm-hmm. I have, I, I very much doubt he's going to spend the next four years playing for Philly. I, no, of I, not. I just don't see it happening. Um, but like whether it's an injury, whether he just comes back and doesn't play hard. If he does come back, I, I think there's a higher chance now of him coming back mm-hmm. than I thought like two weeks ago. I, I think the, chances have improved just because we're finally getting a sense of how severe these financial ramifications are going to be <laughs> i mean um, we knew that they were going to be severe i just don't think i we, I think we all thought he would get the money back though like well, that was what everyone thought until last yeah. week so i think that well, changes it quite a bit i mean even if not like we thought oh well ben might still be willing to hold out and now you you see that wavering from his camp and it's just like will he Probably not. I don't yeah. think he will hold out. I think it, I think if we get to November 19th and he's not there, then we have to reevaluate if he's coming. But I think he'll be back within the first, like, five to six games of the season if this holds up. Yeah, very possible. Um, mm-hmm. Also, of note, he put up some properties in New Jersey and Philadelphia for sale. Uh, one of his apartments in, like, the Ritz-Carlton or whatever in Philly – is selling for $3.1 million. And according to Keith Pompey, it needed floor work. So we have a nice detailed uh, breakdown of Ben Simmons' house. Uh, <laughs> why? I, we... I don't know why. Um, well, obviously, he wasn't practicing his jump shot. Yeah. So do we think he is? You think that's like a sign? Do you think that? Means... Thank you, Uriah, for that. Um... <laughs> do you think I that bet. means anything? <laughs> Like, do we think that means, like, there's no chance of him coming back? Because he... I mean, I think he's just... I mean, yes, to both answers. I think, yes, he's, you know, consolidating his money. And, yes, I think it's also a sign that he doesn't intend to stay in Philly. I think both can be true. Yeah. In this case. I mean, yeah, obviously, he clearly intends to leave. I, I think... What I don't think it is is like there's no chance now that he shows up because he can totally find a place to live. He has the money to find another place to live temporarily for a couple months or whatever if he needs to until they trade him at the trade deadline or whatever end up ends up happening. He can buy another apartment. He's he's got the money. Um, I mean, I've been around the city my whole life and I've followed every single sport: football, baseball, basketball, even hockey. And Ben Simmons is the only player that I've ever heard of that not only owns a house, but also owns, like, I guess, a apartment in the Ritz-Carlton. I'm sure there's probably others, but I've never known of it. But he does own, he did own a house in, I think, Morristown. And I, I know that because I work in Mount Laurel, and I know that kids would always tell me, oh, Mr. Young, Ben Simmons plays, he, he goes to Top Golf, and he plays golf at top golf but then his apartment in philly really nice area guys if you've never been to center city it's like right around broad street 
real upscale, nice homes or apartments and, and where it's Carlton. So I don't blame Ben for having both both properties, but now that he's selling them, it's clear he's he wants to be out west or somewhere else. Well, I mean, he his ideal is to always be in Cali. We saw those reports oh, yeah. earlier. Definitely. And I mean, obviously his new place is in Cali. I mean, I think Ben's dream scenario is that he goes to one of the quote unquote three California teams because you know the Kings don't actually exist there. Yeah, yeah, Sacramento. But, um, sorry, Sacramento. Um, sorry, sorry. I mean, I hope the Kings turn it around. I, I like their young core of guards, and you know, yeah. Rash- Rashawn Holmes, you know, and Harrison Barnes, and that's about it. Kings seem to have a cool fan base, cool history, cool players. Like Tyrese Halliburton, Davion Mitchell, De'Aaron Fox, those are all guys you can get behind. Um, I do hope they turn it around. Um, but yeah. Well, let's let's stop talking about the Sixers' current point guard situation. Let's talk about one of their iconic point guards, or just guards in general. And and let's go ahead and switch gears. And the man, of course, I'm talking about is Allen Iverson. The I think it's fair to say now the best. Sixers player in franchise history. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I say that over Doc. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I do. I'll say it. Even I'll say Chris it. I might have a point with this one. Mm. Well, okay. Okay. I Let's see. I don't think Charles Barkley's up there. The only two players that I could say in our, a legit argument for is Chamberlain and Dr. J. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> there you there go. You go. Yeah. Neither one of them's ten, but neither one of their tenures lasted nearly as long as AI's. Dr. Granted, J they was both here get... for a long time. Yeah, Doctor J, at least a decade. I would. Was say. it really a decade? No, he was still on the the Squires in '76. And I know this because yeah. I, I'm a big Squires Doc ABA was in fan. Philly for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, nine, twelve yeah. years. Really, it did yeah. not feel like that. Okay. 11, so, 12 years. Okay, well then I I see my point. The second best player in the franchise. He also made the All Star game in every single year. He was okay. In the NBA. Well, my my point being is <laughs> okay. Go, top like two franchise. He knows his doc history. Okay, stuff. fair fair enough. Fair enough. I'll concede that Dr. J is the number one player, but Allen Iverson is number two. You won't because Will Chamberlain just was not there long enough, and we we're not counting the Philadelphia Warriors either. Okay. That being said, uh, Allen Iverson had something recently to say, which he's been pretty quiet in retirement. So, you know, whenever he speaks up, it's newsworthy. So let's go ahead and get into the quote. Allen Iverson said, I'm a sixer for life. I got sixer, sixer blood pumping through me. Everybody knows that I want to help the organization. I've been retired, what, 11 years? I don't know how I'm not a part of this, that staff some kind of way. Um, to be fair, uh, Alan Everson in the past has said he does not want to be on a, a coach. So I'm assuming he would want more of a front office role or some type of business role. Maybe I could see the business role probably being the best for him uh, and the organization. But do we really want to, do we see Iverson being a, or a liability in the Sixers locker room if he was a part of the organization, Chris? Um, I mean, like, I don't see... Clearly, he's not asking to be, like, a coach. He's not asking for, say, in rotations or, say, in, like, front office moves. He's not asking to, like, be the stamp of approval on the bin trade. 
he's not asking to like have major sway in the organization. Just hire him if he wants to be like a consultant or something. Bring him into the gym every now and then. Let him work with the young guys. I don't see how that could be a problem. You you don't have to put him in the locker room after every game. You don't have to give him any real quote unquote power in the organization. I don't think that's what he's asking for. And he's Allen Iverson. Like if he wants to be around the organization, let him be around the organization. I don't see how that would be. You're, a you're right. Me and you are on the same page because we talked about this before the podcast. Go ahead and take this away from me, please. Thank you, Chris. I'm so glad you took that stance. So I understand the the adoration for Iverson. I get it, Chris. And, and it's complex, right? Um, I lived through the whole tenure of Iverson back to when he was drafted to the time he got traded for Andre Miller and went to Denver. So here's the thing. On one hand, Iverson is a Philly icon and he's worthy of infinite praise. Right. But then on the other hand, check this out. He's made so much noise with his antics over his, over the years that it'd be hard for, I don't know, like professionals in the locker room to hear any serious message from him if he didn't have the proper training habits as a player for over a decade, how can we, how can the Sixers trust him to teach younger players today? I just don't see it. Yeah. I I, I, I mean, I, like, I, I, he doesn't need to be a trainer. A consultant doesn't need to be like, like he wouldn't be the only how, guy. How, how is he going to, okay. But Chris, let me ask you this. How is he going to influence the game plan? The game plan when he was playing, he was, doesn't need give to me, influence the game but, but no, how is he going to influence him. play? Like, Player development. You say he doesn't need to be a trainer. Because like, well, what what type of consultation do you want? What of all time? So you want him to work one on one, like an assistant coach, which he says he doesn't care. want I to do. What I'm not saying, like give him a major role. But if he mm. wants to come train with Maxi one day a week or whatever, oh, no. that's not going to do anything bad. No. That's not going to no. harm anything. Mm. I, I would Lucas. say just based off of... We can talk of, about him not having the right training... No, well, let's just talk about your like, trepidation, career. Lucas. He was what so he... good. Okay, Whatever okay. he did worked. I'll wait until Chris is done. <laughs> it okay. worked. You he averaged like kid, 28, man. 30 a night, won okay. MVP, led them to the finals. He's a great player who clearly Chris, has a lot same, of wisdom and same fantasy ability to impart bro. onto other people. Same fantasy hoops, man. Get him, Lucas. Okay. <laughs> I love AI. I want to make that crystal clear. But his on and off the court antics is not something that I would want around these young players. It, it's, it, just, it, like, it's, it's, it's just, it's not two guys. He's not, there haven't been any antics for the past decade. Okay. That's fair. He's not a that's player fair. anymore. But here's the, here's my, here's my compromise for you, Chris. And this is what I will say. If he wants to be included in like the market marketing aspect of the Sixers or like the branding aspect of the Sixers, I'm all for that. I love those old jerseys that he Guys, wore. Like I'm like- I'm okay with that. But I wouldn't think that having him involved in like unless one of the players asked, hey, like if Maxi asked, hey, can I get AI to work with me during the off season or you know, like once a month or something like that? Then okay, you make that work but unless like a player asks for him there are like dozens of people involved in like player development and stuff in these organizations my my point is i did not see any possible harm coming out of giving iverson like a bit role on the fringe of the organization 
I would I I would just say like I'm not saying not have him in the organization. I just I would think he at this point in his life, I think marketing. Well, honestly, like what negatives do you think would come of it? What would he do that would You're right, you want to take this one? I Do you think he's going to go in and tell guys not to practice that they I would... like, don't need to lift weights? I mean, I well the I, I practice don't know. thing, the practicing it was is out of context, but yeah, the, 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 the way it was, was like him dealing with personal tragedy and mm-hmm. being in a really dark yeah. place in yeah. his life. That's yeah. not yeah. a work ethic thing. Yeah, he clearly no. worked hard on his game. He, he was in shape, and he was one of the best players in the NBA. Well, no, he was not. There. Let's let's be clear. He was not in shape. He was not in shape. No, he was. He, he was, was he was he was in to good be one of the best players in the NBA. He was he was he was in good condition, but yeah, the the muscle shape. mass that he needed. To make his career much longer than it was, it wasn't there, and that was part of the reason why his career got cut. Okay. The only way, the only way, Chris said I would come to your side of this argument is if he somehow, some way, was able to, I guess, prove or I don't know, maybe write a book or something where he changes his life and he he reflects back and admits all of his flaws and he does a good job at that, but actions speak louder than words. There's all types of things, you know, that, that, you know, the, whether it was the gun issue or the alcohol issue and yeah, he's older now, Chris, but I think in Iverson's case, it might be like, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. I, I'm sorry. I just wouldn't trust him around some of the younger players. I love AI. Especially more impressional him. players. Exactly. Too. Exactly. Well, no one he it's not like he'd A be the only guy in the room. It doesn't matter. He's he, the coolest guy in his presence. He's he's so the coolest. Yeah, he's the strong. coolest guy. He, yeah. He, yeah. He, he I, so I much really weight. just cannot imagine any of that being a problem. Like he's been giving interviews on this stuff for ten years. I, I think it's pretty clear that he's mellowed out. I mean, he is mellow. He's a lot more mellow than what he used to be. But yeah. what he used to be was and not. What he used to be, we can talk about shape again. He was like one of the best players of his century, his decade. But he was also one of the most polarizing. Right. Most sure. well, not not always so for the Kevin good thing. And he was clearly a valuable presence in that Minnesota locker room. But that organization, but at least KG just would put on a suit. In the foot. At least KG would put on a suit, Chris. Okay, well I've I don't care about the suit. Who cares about the suit? No, I, don't, I, don't, I don't care about uh, the suit. That's such a garbage. I like, guess. Who cares? I, I, I don't care who he wears. Suits. Okay, well let me put it this way: Would you put Stephen Jackson on your coaching staff? Coach, the coaches aren't wearing suits anymore. Who no, no, but listen, wear? listen to me, Chris. Would you want a guy like Stephen Jackson around your your young players, impressional young impressional players? I don't know much about Steven Jackson. I, <laughs> I don't. You're right. You get the reference that I'm making, the comparison that I'm making here, right? You get what I'm saying yeah. here, Uriah. You, they're the yeah. Yeah. It's. I love Steven Jackson. To be clear, I love sorry, him. I love his podcast. But Steven Jackson has never trained with another player in the off season. That's not what I'm Do saying. Do you think Allen Iverson has never trained with guys in the off season? Or That's not what we're saying, Chris. When you're a it coach, or no, like, but when you're when you're a coach and you're a leader of men. You are looked at differently versus just another guy he's in the court. He's not replacing Doc Rivers, y'all. I mean, he's asking for like a, con, like like a small bit role. Chris, in the I, okay. You're, I've already told you that what I I would be, be well. That, and Chris, I, I've already told you what I would be okay with him being involved in the organization. I'm not saying completely no. I'm saying put him in marketing because I think his brand and his ideas. Would be very valuable to the Sixers. His passion, terms. his passion for the Sixers, Lucas, 
is mm -hmm. the brand. And I do agree that that is something I would be comfortable with. But and Chris, your argument points about there's going to be other people in the room. Look, once AI walks in the room, he is the room. Yeah, and he's just that, that iconic. That is the type of presence okay, that I don't like, want around Tyrese Matt, like Maxi. What sorry. is what is going to rub off? I just don't understand it. Maxi's <laughs> one of the hardest working dudes on the planet. I truly don't think Iverson would change that in a negative way. Yeah, if anything, it's possible. It's inspiration because again, Iverson clearly worked hard enough to be one of the best guards of all time. <laughs> I I just don't get it, frankly. I mean, you obviously know more about Iverson than I do, so I'm not claiming. Like, I, I, we just we we grew up with. I mean, your eye was an adult. I grew up with him. I, 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 yeah, we saw a lot. Yeah, saw a lot. Um, the good and bad. Though I did love playing as AI on NBA two K, uh, NBA Street, and NBA Street Two. <laughs> did you Did you get to play that? Uh, I I didn't never. Well, I think you, you I never played Two K Street. You never played NBA Street. Uh, no, I don't have to. What about NFL games. Street? Did you play NFL Street? The last time I played Madden was when Michael Vick was like a cheap player. Wow. Yeah, I don't play video games that much. Wow. Yeah, Uriah, so. shame on you. Actually, just, online, just... that's the last time I played Madden. I did have 2K like three years ago when Tobias was playing with Detroit. He used to kick my butt every time they played the Sixers. I love playing as Tobias because I he's such a good pick and roll player, and I just spam him as pick and roll guy. Back then, I used to be like, who's this guy with the headband? And his eyes would always turn white, which was kind of scary. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the graphics were never great, but we're getting off topic yeah, here. Yeah. I think that's it, guys. Let's wrap it up. Uh, yeah. Well, hold up. Did we have a oh. – didn't we do a social media question? Nah, and we just forgot the – this week. That's my oh. bad. Um, well, um, I guess unless – does anybody have any random thoughts, Sixers, or any NBA random thoughts before we get going? No, it's late. <laughs> it's time to go. Yeah, it is late, Sorry, actually. Chris. All right. Um, well, as always, to our listeners, thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of the Sixer Sense podcast. As always, wherever you are listening, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, Google Play, or on our website, please like, subscribe, comment, leave a review. Let us know how we're doing. Give us five stars if you can. If we have earned it, that would really help us out. Um, you can listen to us, of course, on our website, thesixersense.com. You can also read all our wonderful written work there. You can follow us on Twitter at Sixersense. And we will have more preseason basketball to talk about, more general Sixers stuff to talk about, more Ben Simmons stuff to talk about, I'm sure, in the coming weeks. So thanks again, everyone. We will talk to you soon.